Welcome to the first episode of Movie Use. For this inaugural episode, we will give introductions for myself and my co-host. Then we will jump into this week's entertainment news, trailers, rumors, release dates, box office updates, as well as anything else we find interesting or concerning. After that, we'll have a review of the first four episodes of Marvel's What If, and then a deep dive into Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. To start things off, I wanted to thank Claymoon on Fiverr for creating that intro song for us, and my sister Beatrice for doing the cover art. Thank you both so much. Hope you guys are fans of the podcast. Alright, I'm going to start off the introductions. I am Parker. Um... JD and I are just going to go over our favorite movies, uh, what series we're either invested in or excited for, um, and then we'll end it with our top five favorite MCU movies. So my top five favorite movies is it okay? So I, I didn't really I didn't do it like that. I chose just five uh, movies five that of my ten favorite yeah, five movies. Of your favorite movies that you think are just like that best give an idea of your tastes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, my favorite movie of all time is The Prestige. Um, I think it's fantastic. Uh, and then I also chose American Werewolf in London, Signs, The Graduate, and Captain Fantastic. Series that I like and I'm excited for, I'm really excited for uh, what Amazon is going to be doing with Lord of the Rings. I also love the books uh, and the movies. Game of Thrones, I enjoyed the series. I felt it ended somewhat poorly, but I still like the series overall. Uh, I haven't read all the books, and I'm not going to read them until uh, he finishes the series. Obviously, the MCU, love it. Uh, I'm starting to read the Wheel of Time series. Foundation, uh, I've read a few of the books, and I'm excited for the show on Apple TV. Uh, I've read Dune, I have only read Dune, I have not read any of the sequels. Um, but I'm excited for uh, the movie. And then Star Wars, I'm a big fan. I've read a lot of the Star Wars comics. Um, I'm currently reading The High Republic. And I think I've watched all the Star Wars properties. Oh, no, I haven't. There's a few like cartoons I haven't watched. But, Did like, you watch Rebels? For the most part. Yeah, I watched That's Rebels. Right, yeah. For the most part, I've seen, I've seen all the important stuff for Star Wars. Uh, I'm not caught up on... Um, Bad Batch. What is it called? Bad Batch, yeah. Uh, so, oh, do you want to do your intro? And then we'll do the both f- do yeah, our top five MCs? All right. Okay. All right, cool. Well, hey, guys. I'm JD. Um, so, I did my uh, favorite movies a little differently than Parker explained his. I also actually did six because I couldn't dilute it down to five. My favorite movie of all time is Jaws. It is a classic. Uh, after that, you got Monty Python the Holy Grail heavily influenced my feel on comedy uh it's it i can watch that movie anytime and it's still so funny to me after that you've got the world's end that's the last movie in the quote-unquote cornetto trilogy by edgar wright um i just absolutely love it it's great character work once again he does it in all these but the foreshadowing he does with that movie it just works so well um then i have spotlight which is one of those movies that for whatever reason i just can watch all the time it's heavy stuff but it's just it's just perfection in film then about time and scream are just two other movies that i really love i've watched plenty of times i consider them two of my favorites um as for series that i'm really into i am a humongous harry potter fan uh i own so much memorabilia i've read the books countless times couldn't even tell it i own like several editions of each book 
uh outside of that really big into the mcu into marvel um they actually got me back into comics like just those movies got me into them and i read probably around 40 comic 40 to 50 comics a month uh star wars love the movies minus um the last one which will probably be a conversation for another time lord of the rings was a great part of younger me like getting into fantasy alongside harry potter um then moving on to stuff i'm currently getting into uh i read a lot a big author i'm into is brandon sanderson who has done the stormlight archive he is one of those big fantasy current writers who's yet to have like an adaptation of his work uh if someone's ever brave enough to attempt to do that which you'd think they are if they're trying to dive into the wheel of time um it'll be interesting and a future series i'm interested in too the game of thrones spinoffs house of the dragon that's going to be really interesting i'm hoping it uh kind of redeems that universe after the poor final season and then i'm also curious about like wheel of time foundation as parker is i haven't read any of that wheel of time is definitely my kind of shtick though that fantasy deep huge high fantasy world foundation intrigues me and also it is kind of talking with him so i'll i'll say my top five and you can say your top five and if we want to we can like talk about it um so my top five favorite mcu movies not in any order infinity war guardians of the galaxy uh thor ragnarok shang chi which is interesting brand new we'll talk about it and winter soldier i think those movies are all like fantastic yeah and i totally agree with all of those i mean we have differing opinions you didn't you said in no particular order and i mean i have i'll say which one is my favorite uh outside of that the other four are really in no particular order but Guardians 2 is my favorite, and I know that is a lesser opinion, but I think the emotions of that film just hit perfectly. They work for me. After that, you've got Infinity War as well, Ragnarok, Shang-Chi, which, of course, we're going to dive into later. And then I have Civil War. Civil War was great. It's not the five movies we think are the best films in the MCU. These are just our favorites, so that that's important. We really just wanted to like let you guys have a feel for the kind of properties that we're invested in and interested in um, before we get into the podcast. So to start off, we're going to do a quick rundown of movie news from the past week or so. Some of these stories might be a little older than that, but it's the first week. Uh, to start off, there was a little bit of more movie delays. The biggest two, though, were Top Gun Maverick and Mission Impossible 7. Top Gun Maverick was supposed to come out this November, November 2021, it was moved back to May 27th, I believe, 2022, which was the spot that Mission Impossible 7 had stamped out. So Mission Impossible has been moved back from that May date to September of 2022. Um, I also believe Ghostbusters Afterlife was moved a week. Uh, not sure why. That probably just is not for like for our crowding purposes, just to make sure it's not even remotely competing, competing against other movies. Um uh, continuing with that, um, there are rumors that Eternals and the Spider-Man No Way Home, their release dates uh, kind of hinge on how Shang-Chi has done this weekend. Um, but I think they're in good shape because the numbers um, have come in as of today that Shang-Chi reportedly has made about $71.4 million for the three-day weekend. Keep in mind, this is a Labor Day weekend, so... It'll probably add another 15, maybe even 20, considering the word of mouth is so good on this film right now through Sunday and Monday. 
Um, after that, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, officially is rated PG-13, and apparently some people believed this movie would be rated R. I have no idea why. The first one was PG-13. Nothing in the trailer suggests that it's going to be a different rating. Um, now on to some interesting comments from Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, Parker, could you read her actual quote? Yeah, she said, Aren't you seeing it? All of these films that streaming services are putting out, I'm sorry, they look like fake movies to me. Like, that's the dumbest... Yeah, and I believe if you go deeper into the quote, she's trying to talk about, like, the visibility of them being on streaming. But still, even that, it doesn't make any sense. Like, what do you mean they look like fake movies? Like, what are you talking about? There's been some, like, literally Academy Award-winning films released on streaming in the past two years. Yeah. Like, you've had The Irishman, which, to be fair, I'm not as hot on as a lot of people, but I still recognize Scorsese is a brilliant, once-in-a-generation talent. You had, like, Roma is a big Netflix one. I mean, there's just so many movies that are top tier that are coming out on streaming these days and even that's even not considering the fact that we have been in a pandemic for the past year and a half i just think that's incredibly an incredibly tone-deaf comment and and also her movie wonder woman 80 1984 was released on streaming i mean i know it was kind of against her wishes but that movie was some hot garbage so i feel like like maybe think about things before you say them on to another interesting little subject, something that we'll kind of dive more into when we do talk about the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, but Charlie Cox, a.k.a. the actor who played Matt Murdock, Daredevil, on the Netflix series. There has been a lot of rumors about him appearing in the MCU due to, A, um, Kevin Feige apparently loves him. He's the one big actor out of those series that Kevin Feige just absolutely wants back. I, that's the word. I mean, there's no confirmation on that, but I would hope it to be true because Daredevil is by and far the best Netflix series out of that group, those little Marvel shows. And But the big rumor was, just given the storyline that has presented itself for Spider-Man No Way Home, is that he will appear as a lawyer for Peter Parker. And there's a shot in the trailer where you see someone who, in some fans' eyes, is like, oh, that's definitely Matt Murdock. It's a guy, a white dude, in a white shirt, button-down shirt with a tie don't even see his face although this has actually even been more so debunked lately but um he came out and he's like all i can say is those are definitely not my forearms which is like he's immediately debunking what some people are thinking but that's not him saying i'm 100 percent not in the movie and even if he was he probably would still say that but also the imax version of the trailer came out and it lightens the screen and you can see the guy's face and it's 100 uh, percent not charlie cox so that's pretty much a done deal on that dune reviews are coming out it uh premiered at the venice film festival so people have seen it a lot of the reviews are saying it is an epic it is just gorgeous filmmaking it is engrossing enthralling although some people have noted that the storytelling is a little iffy but i think that just comes with dune parker can kind of comment on that you also do have to take into consideration that this is a part one right yeah i mean like it is dune is well known for being a complicated story and an epic in and of itself like a lot of people don't know it's the first book in a series like people think it's just like this one-off like epic um but it's it's not it's it's incredibly complicated but it's an amazing story and i can't wait to see uh villeneuve's um vision no i 100 percent agree i mean i think it has an 85 percent on rotten tomatoes right now so 
that's on par with a lot of Villeneuve's reviews. I think a lot of his movies are for the people that love them. They consider them to be this top tier art, but they're never. I don't. I think he maybe has one that goes higher than that, and I want to say it is actually Arrival. I know. I'm fairly certain I'm going to love this. I've really only read one of the negative reviews. Everybody else is saying it's great. I mean, there is a little concern when it comes to whether or not general audiences are going to be accepting of it. I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, this is going to be Lord of the Rings again. My understanding, once again, I have not read this, is that it is a little, it is a lot denser to Lord of the Rings. And Lord of the Rings is dense, but it's not, I guess, as easy to get into and to dilute. All right. Uh, one little rumor that has been going around is that the Russo brothers were in talks to direct another Marvel film. You know, they took a little break after, you know, the giant behemoth that was the double hitter of Infinity War and Endgame. Honestly, this is a little quicker for them to come back than I thought, because I remember immediately after Endgame, they'd kind of said, oh, we're kind of done for now. And then people were asking, oh, what's a movie that would bring you back? And they said Secret Wars. And there's a lot in the lineup for the MCU that would suggest Secret Wars is definitely the direction they're going into. I mean, we're having a Secret Invasion show, which is a predecessor to Secret Wars. I wouldn't be against them directing again, but I think it, there's all, it's always good to be to diversify. And that's kind of what the MCU has done. They, you know, they had Favreau for a little bit, and then they had Whedon, and, you know, thankfully they didn't have Whedon for much longer than they did, but... And they still have James Gunn, which I'm glad. Um, but I think it's okay for them to move on from the Russos. But anyways, this rumor says that they were in talks to direct another MCU film, but due to the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit over the day-and-date uh, -day release of Black Widow, they're kind of stalled. Because apparently what the rumors are saying is... They want absolute confirmation that the film will be released in theaters, which is interesting because you would think the film that they're on the docket for would be a big event film and a film. I mean, they have no plan. Disney has no plans currently to release any other Marvel movie on Disney+. Plus. So I'm curious why this is happening. I mean, I feel like the rumors might be like a little bit exaggerated, but that's just a rumor. I mean, I would love to see them return and maybe do something that's not uh related to captain america or the avengers in any way right like give them a chance yeah just to... get a new take on a different character entirely right yeah, yeah i mean yeah. and there's so much like and once again we will dive more so into the future of the mcu with our shang chi review but there's just so much there's so many more options like imagine them like directing like a nova movie like a space cop movie like oh my gosh that's just yeah. interesting it would give them a chance to be more creative, whereas I feel with the two final Avengers movies and the two Captain America movies, they kind of had to fit a certain... They had to fit uh, a certain thing, and the biggest right. the biggest thing they did with their direction in those films is main is just wielding the massiveness of them. And Oh, yeah. And I'm so glad that they decided to do it, because I remember when it came out after Avengers 2 that, like, oh, Joss Whedon's leaving, and this is before a... Everyone realized that Joss Whedon was a piece of shit person. Some people were worried because, you know, I don't think Civil War had even come out yet. So it was literally, they were just like, yeah, we're handing the keys to the guys that did Winter Soldier, which Winter Soldier is an amazing Marvel movie. It's it's in my top 10 for sure. But that is a big jump. But they handled it masterfully. The All of their movies, all four of the movies they have done are in my top 10. I would actually like them to just handle a singular character again because even in winter soldier i mean it is mainly about steve but 
just to, like, you still have to deal with, like, Bucky, you're introducing Sam, Black Widow does have an arc, Fury has an arc. There's still a lot going on in Winter Soldier, and I would like them to get a more singular story to tell. I'd love to see them tackle something new and exciting. Last bit of news. DC Fandom was announced for this year. It'll be October 16th, 2021. This is the second DC Fandom. They did their first one last year, I want to say in August, and it was a virtual due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But this is essentially in the same vein as like the D21. Is it D21? Yeah, it's D21, I think, or D12. I can't remember what Disney's is. But all these big studios, and they're moving further and further away from having Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, be their big release for their thing because they have so much. They want to make it sing- They want to make it just about them. So what is reported that we will be getting this year at DC Fandom is a new The Batman trailer, which I am absolutely ecstatic to hear. Uh, the Batman is, if not my most anticipated movie for next year, it is easily top three. Like, I have so much faith that, A, Robert Pattinson's going to be an amazing Batman. The director is great. Every casting choice they've made so far, every, like, little bit that I've heard about it, nothing has dampened my excitement. It has only elevated it. After that, I believe we're going to get a Fuck It's Peacemaker trailer, the Peacemaker spinoff from James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Um, When this was first announced, I was like, oh, this is interesting. I mean, that's cool. And then he was obviously very coy about is it before or after the movie because he doesn't want to let you know if he dies or not and uh quick spoilers for the suicide squad it would have appeared that peacemaker died in the movie and then in credit scene he's somehow alive and um it actually was reported from him from james gunn that they didn't film that in credit scene until after they got greenlit for the show personally given peacemaker's kind of heel turn in the film i'm less excited to see the character again because he's a shithead but i guess that's the point but i do love james gunn i trust him so i will still give it a watch and hopefully the trailer piques my interest again the batman i think looks absolutely amazing i love paul dano and i that movie could not come any sooner but uh Uh the peacemaker show i'll watch it i'm not really like looking forward to many of these other uh titles going off the peacemaker uh it's an interesting choice, and I think Gunn did that on purpose. Um, for Peacemaker to be the character he's like, I'm going to continue with. Just because he did such great work with Bloodsport and Ratcatcher 2 in that film. And I'm just, I'm, like I said, I'm curious enough to not say I'm not going to watch it, I guess. Right. I'm in the same boat. Um, so after that, we're going to get Aquaman and the last Lost Kingdom first looks. And we actually got a first look today. It literally just dropped before we started recording. It showed Jason Momoa in a new suit as Aquaman. It's kind of a navy blue, uh, blackish, and he says it's a stealth suit. Eh, I actually liked in the first Aquaman that they gave him his just vividly bright, comic-accurate suit because it just kind of showed that they were maybe stepping away from the Zack Snyder of it all. And I'm not even a Zack... I, I don't even necessarily hate what Zack Snyder did with his films. But I just felt like not every character fits in that tone of his. So, um, obviously, I enjoyed the first Aquaman. It's fun. It's ridiculous. It is so over the top. It is a turn-your-brain-off film. And Jason Momoa is super charismatic. So, I mean, I will watch Aquaman too. But I can't say it's at the top of my list. I'm super excited for it. Um, after that, we'll also get Shazam! Fury of the Gods first looks. And I can say I'm at... That's probably outside of the Batman 
the uh, DC project I am most interested in. I love the first Shazam. Parker has yet to watch it, but it looks really interesting. Um, I think it is in almost like its own little pocket universe compared to the rest of the DCEU right now. It's kind of similar in tone to like the gun suicide squad, the birds of prey, where it's just kind of fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously at all. All the actors were great, which is really good considering there were so many kid actors in that movie. And they've added some pretty interesting actors to the sequel. They have Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu coming in. I'm excited, but it actually did just wrap filming, which is interesting because this movie's not supposed to come out till 2023. I'm interested to see anything from that. After that, Black Adam is another one I'm interested in. I'm more so curious for this one just because it is a role for The Rock for Dwayne Johnson that is not just like super charismatic, just bleeding man. He's an anti-hero. Black Adam is... He's a darker character, so it's going to be very interesting to see him tackle that. Also, the one still image of him in the suit, you can tell that they literally just put a, a, like a latex, kind of like a spandex suit on him. That man is so built, he didn't need any sort of padding, didn't need anything to make him look bigger. He's a giant. After that, we'll get some looks at The Flash, and I'm interested in seeing this mostly just to see Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton as Batman again, which is not the most, not the best thing you want to hear from the first movie for one of the... DC's biggest heroes, but I don't care about The Flash. I'm just going to be blatantly honest about that. There was a myriad of uh, CW news, and in the total transparency and honesty, Parker and I do not watch the CW. I've never really cared about the CW shows. So we won't really be, you won't hear us cover much about them here. And finally, two, uh, the two big, big video games coming out of DC. Gotham Knights, which aired a teaser actually at last year's dc fandom it did get delayed it was supposed to come out sometime this year but it got delayed to next year interested in that game the batman arkham video games are amazing i love every one of them i've played them each two or three times uh gotham knights will be interesting it's a different play style bruce wayne is supposed to be dead so you know you're playing as like nightwing red hood the tim drake robin and um barbara gordon batgirl it's a little bit different some people are upset about that i it's new it's interesting I'll play it. And then Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. If anything, I think this movie will, I mean, this game will get more, like, excitement and hype behind it just due to James Gunn's Suicide Squad. It's using a lot of the same characters, Harley Quinn, uh, King Shark especially. They do have Deadshot in it and Captain Boomerang. But the one trailer we've seen was just a cinematic. It shows that they're kind of chilling in the city and stuff's going down. And they're like, oh, who are we killing? And then... You find out that Superman is evil in this, which some people are kind of tired of, but we'll see. I'll probably still play it. And that wraps up our news. So now we're going to get into the trailers. Uh, we're going to start off with the Wheel of Time trailer. November can't come fast enough. Uh, I think it looks like a pretty faithful adaptation um, with a few, you know, stylistic changes like uh, the Aes Sedai rings or I think a big change from the books and they're pretty simple in the books whereas here they're you know much larger and colorful so the ice to die that's the it's like the women the magicians right i mean i don't know if they're called magicians but that's like the magic the council right you see like the council of the yeah trailer, yeah, yeah. that's like the the tower in tar valen um i was watching that oh daniel green if you haven't heard of him check him out on youtube he's great but do you know this yes Parker? i was about to because say because the ice to die yeah. You, so oh, Tar Valen is the city. Like a... or, yeah, it's like a big city that the Aes Sedai reside in. And because now the Aes Sedai are all women, um, it is shaped like a vagina. And they Go cut Robert that Jordan. 
from Love the it. original series. I, I don't know much about the fandom. I don't know if that's like weird to people or if people are very accepting of that. Uh, I think it's amazing. I think I that's think amazing. Yeah, I was about to say, I think that's amazing. Um, I think Roseman Pike is perfect for Moraine. Um, I think she's going to do justice to the character, and I'm really excited to see her, especially because the first book is so close to Lord of the Rings. So she would be almost like, she's like the Gandalf character, right? So like, I'm really interested to see her uh, you know, in this universe where Aes Sedai wizards, quote unquote, like magic users, are hated. So it's interesting. It's really interesting. Oh, they're hated. Yeah. I didn't know they were. Oh, they're they're not looked. Oh, that's interesting. Upon. That adds. And a... this is like all background information that is made very apparent early on. So maybe spoilers. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'm spoiling much. I mean, no, that's an interesting. I mean, that it could be a spoiler, but I think that just adds more in- intrigue to the series that. The magic users are hated, yeah. quote unquote. I won't get into like why, but it's um, like a universe wide thing, pretty much. And I mean, you can like, I know you see all the main characters in this yeah. trailer. Um, who is the one? Because I'll point out the one shot that um, I know everybody loved, but it's uh, who is the character? She's coming out of the water, and there's all the paint. Oh, like the colors. I'm, I'm pretty so. Who I'm is not, that? I'm not at that part in the book, but that's naive. She's like the village uh wisdom so she's like the person that they go to for like medical situations and like uh she helps predict weather and stuff um i don't want to get into spoilers because this is the first trailer but that character is naive okay and i I like her a lot and i hear a lot of people are turned that's that shot was just that shot was gorgeous that was easily i'm so excited like it looks so cool um do you want to give like a quick overview of like what the premise is for wheel of time i guess yeah i mean like the first i guess the plot is it's very similar to like lord of the rings for at least the first book which it looks like this uh this um season is going to cover all of the first book and go into the second a little bit it's similar to lord of the rings where you have these care this group of uh younger characters in a farming village right like the shire uh taken Mm -hmm. away by a magic user for one reason or another and the first book is pretty much them just traveling from point a to point b so it's very lord of the rings and that was uh done on purpose by uh robert jordan um as far as i understand he wanted to start with uh something something familiar and then i think it's i've heard uh by like book four is when it really comes into its own and becomes its own amazing thing. Yeah. I mean, this is considered one of the juggernauts of fantasy. Like, and from, I know you've only read, like you've said, the first book and part of the second, but from other people I've heard that have read the series, they seem generally pleased with the trailer. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people that a lot of rational people understand with the series of that size, there are going to be changes. There's always going to be changes when you move from a print to a like visual medium um so like i've always kind of i've always kind of been very accepting when it's stuff i've seen so oh absolutely i i I think it's gonna be good um 
I'm of course I'm going to watch it. I love anything fantasy. I'm going to watch this. Like I don't know when I'm going to get around to actually reading it. I'm super behind on all the books I'm trying to read, let alone starting a 14 book series. Yeah, I mean it. But yeah, it's a lot. But um, a lot of the choices for how they're representing um some of the villains that they the main characters face throughout this first you know chapter in the series, uh, you see the the guy without eyes with his mouth open he's got sharp teeth yeah the big old sharp teeth. Right. yeah so those are like half half men <laughs> or uh uh me my draw something like that it's weird not not at all how i envisioned them reading the book like i literally just thought of them as like human really strong human men without eyes this is 10 times scarier and now seeing this image i'm reading the book and i'm like geez yeah like no wonder these guys are so that's, that's horrifying. horrifying. <laughs> and then the Trollocs also yeah, horrifying. so badass. Like in the book, they're described. So as, the Trollocs are like what are Trollocs? They're similar to like orcs. Like they're just like the the fodder for the uh, the dark ones, like army. Mm-hmm. But in it's the so, books, the shot I saw of them, it looks like they have horns. right. Yeah, yeah. They're like I half think... human, half animal. Is often how they're described. So some will have horns, some will have beaks, some will have feathers, some will have fur. Like they're like these nasty okay. like. Dude, if I saw one of those things running at me with a beak, I would be terrified. Yeah, I don't know what it is. So I think a beak on a human is is a physiological like a like an an anatomical change that would just unnerve me to no end. That's awful. Oh, dude, yeah, (laughs) like hundred percent. Another important aspect for this series is it's not like Game of Thrones in that, or Lord of the Rings. So Lord of Lord of the Rings is a better example. Lord of the Rings, quote unquote, takes place in our world but it's a long, long time ago, right? This Wheel of Time takes place on our, in our world, if I'm not mistaken, but thousands of years in the future. What? Yeah. So, like... Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah. They're, they talk about all these different ages, and, like, it's, in the, it's way, way in the future. So... So, like, something has happened, and we've, like, kind of been pushed back to, like, a... Much. It's fascinating. A medieval society in a way, but there's magic now. Right. Too. Yeah, there's yeah, magic. yeah. Like at some point we become super advanced and tap into this magic source and that's what causes all the stuff to happen. But that's kind of part of the wheel of time is that the wheel of time never ends. It's a wheel, right? So we're back to a somewhat familiar setting. Um, oh. oh, okay. I like yeah, that. It's I like that so a lot. cool. But, um... I don't know. I'm a little weary of how they're how they're representing magic. Uh, I hope it. I don't know. It, to me, it kind of seems a little goofy, and it might just be the types of shots that they're using, or like, I'm not sure. For for me, it uh, it just doesn't it doesn't quite capture um, the feeling that the book has with the way that they use magic. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested to see what they do with it. I, I mean, I'm watching the show no matter yeah. what. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. I but mean, I can look past. I don't think the way um, magic looks. You know, but I was about to say I don't think. Uh, I think Amazon's got a pretty good track record as of late with like their kind of adaptations. Yeah. And whatnot. It's just interesting that they're gonna have this and that Lord of the Rings show kind of going. At I the was same just time. about to say that. Like, Amazon is going to be you know scratching the itch left by um, HBO. You know what I mean, like yeah, and like HBO is gonna try to is trying to play catch up by greenlighting all these uh, Game of Thrones spinoffs and uh, House of the Dragon. I mean, 
yeah, we'll see how well that does. But I think in terms of just like excitement, I think Wheel of Time Lord of the Rings kind of beat that. Oh, game. yeah. Well, I think it'd also be different if Game of Thrones had ended on a different note. People would be way more excited to see the prequels. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, like, man, uh, the only benefit to that House of the Dragon show is that Benioff and Weiss are not yeah. involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So HBO can claim, hey, we won't get a similar situation because those guys left. But it's, I mean, like... To be fair, to be fair, it's not entirely their fault. It's, I mean, they do deserve part of the blame, but it is, a lot of that is on George R. R. Martin for not being able to finish one, let alone two books in 10 years. But didn't Brant, Brant, I was going to say, Brandon Sanderson was the one who finished the series, though, for Jordan, because he passed away. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before the last, what, three, because so, finished or something like that? Or like I haven't in... looked that up. I thought it was just the last book, but he definitely helped write the last three, so it might have been... I think it might have been something to where he saw the plot outline and realized it could not be finished in the amount that Jordan thought, and he had to write more well, books. As far as I understand it, Jordan wanted the books, wanted the series to only be eight books long, and it ended up getting that clearly pushed to 14, 14, 15 if you count uh, the prequel. Either way, I'm excited. I think that uh, Amazon is throwing a lot of money at this and the cast looks fantastic i'm so excited to see daniel henny as lan who's probably my favorite character at the moment i'm not sure so you see him in the one action scene yes. with moraine correct he's like an archer uh, he has like a bow and arrow so, or something like that. I, well, I don't know if he is an archer but he has a bow and arrow in the trailer. Uh, like they're fighting at the same time and there is a flow to that right choreography yeah, yeah. and their action right there they work together yeah right? again i don't want to get into spoilers but this is pretty like lore this isn't even like he's a what, what's considered a warder and they they fight alongside isodine basically so like the two are very connected and um i, I think this actor just looks perfect for uh land next up all right so next up the eternals trailer the final Eternals trailer. There's been two Eternals trailer, but we'll mostly just talk about the final one, the most recent one. I don't think there has been an original or a new, I, I don't want to say original, but like a new Marvel property in the pipeline that I've been more excited for, as excited for as the Eternals. I, I think the last one was Doctor Strange, but it even wasn't that excited. It wasn't the level of this. I think it was just because Doctor Strange is a magic user, and I was like, this is a cool new thing. Yeah, this is, I mean, like... The Eternals looks amazing. Looks absolutely fantastic, like, on so many levels. I think, like, uh, what makes me feel so excited for this film is the director, and, geez, the, the, every trailer that has come out for this film even just like the oh visual. my god it looks the beautiful. visuals of this film like there is a constant complaint of the mcu which is not necessarily without like some oh, absolutely that they tend to have a kind of plain cinematography look to it which i don't think is entirely true you've got ragnarok you've got the guardians movies i think they have brilliant cinematography i even think shang chi had some really good cinematography. It wasn't like wowing, I guess, but it was, there was a lot of subtle stuff done yeah. in that movie. That... Well, I think a lot of all these movies, and I think it comes with the uh, 
the the challenge of having one connected universe all these movies you can yeah tell. they can't look drastically right. you, they can't look drastically different in visual what in visuals otherwise it would be jarring it would it would take a lot more belief for you to be like yeah. this is the same universe but man, and so Eternals. i mean there can be different coloring eternals has this just beautiful aesthetic and um that does that is obviously chloe Zhao, just beyond her directorial uh efforts she was very adamant about shooting on location she did not want to do a lot of green screen shooting so a lot of these settings you're seeing are on location like they were out there filming there in these locations which you can you can tell you can definitely tell like even these beach settings even these open fields and wherever they are um but another thing i do love about this trailer is for a marvel movie it does not give a lot away. Like, I honestly could not tell you what the plot is of this film. Like, there is something going on. There's an emergence, which uh, Salma Hayek's uh, Ajax, I think is her character's name, says, like, the basically the snap that brought everyone back in Endgame allowed for the proper energy of the emergence or something like Dude, that. I don't and know. She said they have seven days. She's talking to Richard Madden's Icarus saying they have seven days. And I'm like, okay, we're going into this. Neil Gaiman has a great short run from the early 2000s that if you are interested in just getting an introduction to the concept of the Eternals and some of the characters, because even I don't even know if all the Eternals that will be in this film are in that comic, and there are some in that comic that are not in this film. But it's a great one, a run. I think it's only like a 12-issue run, so it's not long. There actually just started a new run recently that I've been reading just to like reintroduce them to the world. And it's and there's not necessarily any connection other than that. But it does allow I can I can I kinda know some of the characters now. But some other things to hit on. You've got Angelina Jolie, they brought her into this. Like there's a certain like level that just bringing in someone like Angelina Jolie and she does not really do franchises. Like that's a big thing with having an actor like her in this. And I believe Brian Tyree Henry is being reported in this. You know, it's coming. Marvel is owned by Disney, but they're saying Brian Tyree Henry is going to be one of the first openly gay characters in the MCU. So we'll see how well they live up to that promise. Phaestos is like their engineer, though, which you kind of get the feel of. There's a like the little tag at the end of that trailer when Icarus is talking about, oh, I bet you made this table out of vibranium. But he's the engineer. So that's kind of a quick rundown. But to kind of talk more on what we see in the trailer we don't really know what's going to be happening we don't know how these characters are related other than that they're all eternals we don't know what the conflict is yeah we don't really know what people are doing you get like you said hints with uh brian tyree henry's character but it like this trailer is so good which is so unlike marvel we'll get into this with spider-man but like Spider-Man and Shang-Chi and actually Shang-Chi. have comments yeah, on but, that, but we'll I mean, like, it <laughs> looks so fresh. It looks visually fresh. Uh, this cast is fantastic. It's... Having Angelina Jolie is going to draw so many people, like, to come see this movie. Even, like, probably fans who... Or people who aren't even fans. It, like, Angelina Jolie is such I, a big See, name. here's the thing. Angelina Jolie is such a big name, like there's so much intrigue to this property and there's like almost a reverent like i don't i don't even know if reverence the right word but the just the tone of this trailer feels so unlike anything marvel has done yet 
and I am just so excited. There's so many visuals. Like you see the celestials. Oh, I know, dude. In this, and there's the shot of that celestial. Just like it, just it just shows. I'm just so excited. And there's like only so much we can talk about with it. But a couple other notes I have. So interesting bit of trivia. I believe in the comics. So Joe Lee's character is Thena, and she is actually, I believe, in the comics, Thanos's aunt because Thanos is in a he's a he's from Titan, but his parents were technically Eternals, and he's just born with what is a deviant gene. And you hear the deviants mentioned, you see those creatures, and you also see that one shot of, I think it's the reported bad guy, it's not confirmed, I think his name is Crow. Crow? K-R-O? Crow? I don't know. But he, um, Thanos' parents look human. Like, they look like all the other Eternals. They just look human. He has a deviant gene, that's why Thanos looks like that. And it's very interesting because they say they're not allowed to interfere unless the deviants are involved. And that's just an interesting point that they're going to have to make. Are they going to change Thanos' lineage in the MCU? Some people are theorizing that they may totally change the lineage. And Thena is actually Thanos' mother. I don't know how much I buy into that because I do feel like I kind of agree with some people who have been saying they maybe want to move away from Thanos as a character and more of the impact of what he did. Unless diving into Thanos as a character... Well, yeah, but, like, if Thanos is, like, this deviant, or, like, um... Yeah, I mean, it just all depends on whether or not they're going to adhere totally to the comics on that or not. Thanos, like, in the Eternals run that's currently going on, Thanos is in it. Like, they're fighting Thanos. Like, they no, always, yeah, they fight Thanos all I understand, in the comics. I'm saying, like, <laughs> why wouldn't they get involved in Endgame with Thanos and his entire army Yeah, and so, I feel like it's going to be either... There is a there is a narrative reason why they didn't get involved that is beyond him just a not being a deviant in this universe. I think if that or maybe it is that theory. But what if they what if they are going with that theory that Thena is like his mother and there was something like I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot of intrigue. Um, another big theory going around is that one of the Eternals is a traitor because this happens a lot in the comics too because the Eternals have an interesting sense of morality where they're there to help humans but because eternals are so old their sense of helping and doing what is right is so beyond our scope of time that their initial actions maybe don't seem like help well yeah I mean, so there's like, some theories we've that... seen stuff like that before no, with thanos right like he thinks what he's doing is yeah for the greater good well i think it's even it's even less it's even i less... know but it's not out there for uh marvel to take maybe a no no yeah no no, totally saying that but um so there's 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 theories that one of them is a traitor and the obvious answer is druig but i think that's too obvious of a twist it'd be like oh going into (laughs) it'd be like now being introduced to loki and being like oh someone here's a traitor yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and it's loki and you're like oh wow you really got me one of the ones i've heard though is people think icarus is actually going to be like a secret antagonist it's very interesting because icarus is kind of poised in the uh, eternals lore he's very much like their superman in a way that's his power set which actually will all segue into another comment based off that but i kind of don't want that just because i really like richard madden you know i don't i don't want him to be a bad guy i want him around for a while going off richard madden being superman some people and is a very particular subset got upset by the visuals for Icarus's kind of heat vision, laser vision, whatever it is. They're like, oh, you're just ripping off Zack Snyder at this point. And 
a lot of people have had to argue with him that Zack Snyder did not invent Superman's heat vision. No, but I mean, like he definitely had a specific I mean, definitely, style I, for it. That he had a style for it, and it's. And it, but I don't think it's ripping off. I think Snyder Bros are just so like in their own head that like I don't think it's ripping unless off. Unless you're, but I can understand. I think it's homaging. I think it's taking interest because no, I think yeah. it's like there's a certain tone. Like I think he did such a great job with the visual that that's visually, now what it is. It's an artistic style that is no, used in No, that's what I'm saying. It's not ripping off. Films. And that's what they're trying to say is that people, Marvel's just ripping off Zack Snyder now. And I'm like, A, Marvel acknowledging anything Zack Snyder has done is more than he could ever hope for in his life. All in all, I am very much so excited for this film. I think if it lives anywhere near to the expectations I have for it, it'll easily be a top five Marvel film without a question. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I personally am also of the belief that this one, just like how Black Panther, it wasn't, it's an Academy Award winning film. I kind of forget that sometimes, but it was also nominated for Best Picture. I think this movie will hopefully be given that recognition because like just visually already, I think it's there. Um, Any more thoughts on this? No, I don't have any more thoughts. I'm excited. We haven't really been given a lot of like meat on what this movie is about. Um, but I'm okay yeah, with me that. too. I'd I'm okay. rather I want to go blind. in like completely blind and just be totally just like swept away, you know, just like knock me out, man, knock me out. I'm excited for this movie. And that's why I am um really glad that Shang-Chi had a great record-breaking right. weekend. So I hope that gives Marvel and Disney please let me see this in November. I will cry. All right, on to the next and this was the way more talked about trailer. The trailer that literally had people on the internet bugging marvel for anything marvel and sony at anything they announced there was comments on whatever they posted saying where's the spider-man no way home trailer and i um, actually didn't like that i was like guys we have so many projects coming out before this that still need other trailers you have to still get keep in mind we were in a pandemic and the delta was coming up and it was four months out like people are a little spoiled these days but spider-man no way home got its trailer and this was after a very infamous leak where uh the person whoever actually had access to that trailer their name was uh watermarked all over it so hopefully kevin feige has let them out of the basement by now but they're definitely fired so anyways parker i'll let you start off on this yeah one. i mean like hopefully again with shang chi's uh performance this weekend we'll actually get to see this in december um but this trailer yeah. revealed a lot like it was in my opinion like the opposite of eternals like i feel like i watched the whole first act of this movie oh the, yeah without a doubt i think the you we got a quick dive into the first act but i think the reason for that is because that integral scene in the middle because there's reports that this movie is going to be two and a half hours long so like i would assume dr strange does not really factor in i mean there might be a scene of strange before peter actually shows up but it's not going to be like peter and strange it's not gonna be like moving it's just gonna be like hey dr strange is here yeah um i mean this movie needs to be long like it looks like there's going to be a lot in this movie especially with all the rumors we've heard with what we saw in the trailer yeah. which we'll get into um there's a lot going on here and i mean like spoilers for the mcu loki and wandavision i mean this is going to be like a th it looks like a third reality breaking event in the mcu See, so my thoughts on that, and it's like, because, A, I don't know if the MCU has updated their timeline, so I think WandaVision takes place three weeks after Endgame. It's very quick. Loki is well, it a could take place, total toss-up yeah, to win it. It can take place anytime, so, but, like, basically, a lot of people are, like, so you see, strength, do you see Peter go in? 
it's like hey can you help me like and a lot of people are like oh why is strange doing this just so willing to do this and i'm like i think a lot of you guys have forgotten that strange is just an arrogant dude also strange doesn't believe it straight i think in strange's head he's like i get to do this really cool spell of course i'm not gonna fuck it up and i think even though it has it isn't really seen i think he does like peter yeah. i don't think i think he's just like sure i'll help you out we save the the freaking universe um and then it you know it falls apart because peter's talking and i definitely feel like there's more to it than just peter being like oh wait right yeah yeah that's just what we see in the trailer there's got to be more going on there's no way him just talking to Doctor Strange or like it, part of the spell is that Peter has to focus on something. You know what I mean? Like there's more. Maybe to that's it. it. But also my theory is that Wanda weakened this reality with whatever she was doing in WandaVision. Like I think she kind of weakened it. And then Loki broke the like they broke open the multiverse. But I think that just means there's multiple realities now. It's not necessarily that everything's merging together, but I think doing those two things, A, weakened our reality, and then there's all these other realities now open that the TVA is no longer right. stopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Strange messing up this spell, in whatever way we find out in the film, opens our reality up to these other ones. So I think it's just, I don't think it's as, plant, as dry, clean cut, as like people are like angrily assuming. But so... Quick note at the beginning, you see Peter in like a prison, uh, not a, 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 like a police precinct. Uh, do you think, do you think that he actually gets charged or like something comes up and they just let him go, but then it's just like, oh, people still know him Spider-Man. Or do you think he like maybe has like a trial coming up? Or I don't know. They're like, hey, I yeah. I think it's probably, they just bring him in for questioning, right? Like there's this huge video of... I mean, like, this guy who, to the world, appears to be this savior for humanity, coming out and saying that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and is responsible for his death. And so, like, he's definitely getting questioned. I don't know if there's... I don't think they have any... Well, they also say he owns the drones, which I think... I guess he technically does because Tony gave him the like authority to the glasses, but I feel like that's just like gut, like an instant reaction. I feel like it's still Stark tech. Like I feel like Stark Industries would still be like pulled in, and they'd be like, "Yo, why did Tony Stark leave this child glasses yeah. to control something?" Yeah, like it that? definitely <laughs> seems ridiculous. That line stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Where yeah, I didn't like that line whatsoever. I'm like, is this just bad cop work, or are we just trying to gloss over the fact that like they're not like Peter made the drones, right? Yeah, and I mean like I I don't know why wouldn't Stark like why wouldn't um John Favreau be like involved or like that you could even bring Gwyneth oh, Paltrow easily. back for like a quick one scene to be like yeah. I didn't realize what that was that Tony left. Which, I mean, like, that could easily be, like, the very beginning of the film, is him dealing with that and it being brushed under the rug. But then he has to... I mean, you can, you can tell this movie is instantly going to pick up with that oh, cutscene. Because, I mean, that credit scene of the reveal, because you see him and MJ running, like, swinging through the city, and then they drop, and there's people swarming, taking pictures, like, oh, we know who you are now. I mean... And it's going to lead to that, and then it's, like, the world seeing him. Like, you see Aunt May. I think you actually do see Happy... You see him in the police precinct too, right? You see him twice. You see him in the precinct and then there's a shot of him later in the car, which you know is that typical shot of like, oh, I was happy about to die. Don't do that to me, Marvel, please. Happy, but, happy's um, not dying. 
I'm I'm going out on a limb and saying he is not dying in this movie. I'm saying if anybody dies, this is just full, just throwing it out there. It is Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. But that is also just precipitated on, like, the assumption that they are actually in the movie, which I personally, I would bet money on right now. There's also a scene, so, you know, we get the whole multiverse, you know, reality's breaking. And then it shows, like, what looks like Strange and Peter running, and then you see Strange knocking Peter's astral form out. A lot of people are using that to be like, oh, that's not Doctor Strange, why is he fighting him? But if you look, there's also this clear magical artifact in that scene that it looks like Strange is just taken from Peter. There's no other context to that, but I'm assuming, like, after this happened, Peter is like, oh, I need this to make sh- It's There's going to be something where it's just Peter took that. I just, I don't think Strange is, like, in any way an antagonist antagonistic force in this film i think there's just going to be like just like we've seen in so many movies before civil war where the two heroes tussle because they disagree on something it is interesting to note however and this is actually just because the trailer doesn't show a lot it clearly shows a lot from the first act and the early second act most likely but really then the only other shot is this the big bridge scene where we see Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin, his little goblin, like, pumpkin bomb. And then you hear his laugh, too, by the way. It's there. Um, And then you get Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. And he says, hello, Peter. A lot of people are theorizing that he's not actually talking to Tom Holland. He is talking to Toby's Peter, who is also on the bridge. Or those are actually kind of two different scenes, maybe. Um, Also, the shots of Peter, like, suiting up on that bridge just look so out of place, so out of focus. Like, it just doesn't look right. Like, there's something off there. Um, there are a couple other quick shots you see some and you I mean Electro is confirmed for this movie you see some lightning and it is yellow which is more comic accurate than the Electro Jamie Foxx played in Amazing Spider-Man 2 you see something with sand in another scene with that so some people think Sandman is in this and if people are right with the hyper analyzing of the shot it looks like Sandman's actually protecting Peter which would be interesting because if that's true it would show that Sandman still maintained his development. A lot of people have pointed out, though, that, like, Doc Ock is technically going backwards, but some people have deep dove in, and it shows, if you go back to Spider-Man 2, when the arms are in control, their little eye, basically, is red, and when uh, Octavius is in control, they're white, and the eyes are red in the trailer, so it shows that Octavius has lost control to the arms again. Three villains confirmed, Doc Ock, Goblin, Electro... Sandman seems likely. There's also a shot of like Peter in a sewer and you hear some creature growling and it looks like something in the dark moves at him. Some people think it's going to be Lizard. So I would bring you three from the Raimiverse, two from the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, which, I mean, that's five villains. You got one more for Sinister Six. And who's it going to be? Is it going to be a Holland villain? Are you going to get Paul Giamatti back? As Rhino? Yeah, I think it's... Probably not. I think that's the most likely option. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, some other quick things to note. In the scene, there's a quick shot of, like, Peter and MJ walking into the high school, and you can see Ned behind him, but you can also see Flash Thompson walking with them, like, in solidarity with the group, which shows however he reacted to the news immediately that Peter is Spider-Man, who he is very clearly a big fan of now after Far From Home. He's just cool with it, apparently. So he's being there in solidarity with Peter. Very interesting character bit. I like that a lot. This is shaping up to be a huge event film, though. Um, Some people in the industry, because technically, I think after this movie, 
Tom Holland, the Sony agreement in Marvel is only for an appearance of Tom in another Marvel movie. This is the last solo film after they did their second deal. Some people are worried that this might be a way to have Tom Spider-Man leave the MCU. I absolutely hope it doesn't. Uh, Sony has given me negative faith that they can handle live action. Sure, they had Into the Spider-Verse, but that's a totally different creative team. It's a very different thing. I mean, Into the Spider-Verse is a masterpiece. All right, so now we're going to get into our reviews, starting off with What If. Um, there's going to be spoilers for the first four episodes, so if you have not seen them and you don't want anything spoiled, stop listening, go watch them, and then come back. Overall, I love this series so far. I think it's amazing that they're taking this universe that the fans have come to know and love and sort of uh, spinning it and however, uh, you know, twisting it on its head. Um, it's so cool how they're like using what we know against us to make these episodes more interesting. And like starting with the first one, which I think was the weakest of the four. Um, but I still like, I really enjoyed seeing Peggy Carter be used in a way uh, that we really haven't seen in the MCU. I never watched the show. Um, what was it? Agent Carter? Is that what it was called? Yeah. I never watched it either. Yeah. I, I never got into it. Um, is it still considered canon? I believe so, but I think that's like one of those weird... I think the inclusion of... What's it? In uh, Endgame? The guy who played Jarvis? I think that kind of yeah. made it seem canon, but honestly, I don't really know. Oh, I got... Yeah, I completely forgot about that. I, I enjoyed the episode. It wasn't anything great. It was fun. Uh, it was cool to see Iron Man fight Nazis. You know what I mean? Like seeing the Mark one looking yeah literally what did he call it uh the hydra smasher yeah that's what it was yeah yeah either way i thought it was i thought it was fun but it wasn't really anything that new um we'll get back to this in episode four but what is that what is that octopus I, looking thing i don't know if it's been confirmed i think it's shumagarath and I think it's interesting you're right you see it in this one that you see it in two episodes and then like so is this some sort of like... I think you're going to see it in a later, in some other property down the line. Yeah, I agree completely. I'm glad that that uh, that you agree. I, I don't know. Maybe it's some sort of trans-dimensional thing, or it's just something... Well, I think that's what Shumagrath is. He's like a trans... Like, he can travel dimensions, but... Oh, okay. I don't know anything about that that character. Um, Doctor Strange, Batty. I don't know. There was a couple funny things in this episode, like uh, Sebastian Stan's poor attempt at voice acting oh dude it's i i have some oh, comments so bad. i have some comments on that when it comes to the third episode too but you can definitely tell that some some actors are just not meant for voice acting i don't have much else on this first episode do you have anything you want to touch on? i mean you touched on what i liked yeah the proto iron man the hydra smasher was really cool i mean there's obviously some throwback jokes in it too uh the shumagarath there's some things that kind of change but essentially this is just a retread of first avenger changing the roles so but it, it ends up fairly going down the same line there's still the same emotional right. core there's still all of that it's very it's very similar and i think the reason they did that is to introduce us to the concept without just going like completely balls out for the first one yeah ease us in so the second episode definitely uh 
I, like in my opinion, more like heartwarming. Yes, and I think that has a lot to do with it being Chadwick uh, Boseman's last. I think it's his performance. I think it's his last performance for anything. Oh, jeez, I didn't even know. Yeah, his last performance as T'Challa. It just felt pure to me mm-hmm. to see just such a such a this amazing character uh, out in space. You know, where like potential is limitless and hearing all the amazing things that he did uh i i guess it's kind of weird the star lord mantle being given to him considering where it comes from yeah mcu honestly i just think they didn't think it through right and i you know yeah it's kind of a strange thing but you know it sounds like a name that's given to him versus a name he's trying to get caught on you know? make for himself like uh, peter quill does right i thought the episode was paced very well too and it was like, good. i just enjoyed watching this episode it was a good episode like yeah I, it was like you said i think a lot of the just impact of this episode is due to chadwick but it was still a good episode in its own right you know seeing the just the effect that a pure character like t'challa has had on all these different narratives and just characters like thanos obviously that's just i was not expecting that whatsoever yeah it's amazing that had t'challa you know just gone into space and been able to do whatever like thanos the mad titan the villain for the you know all of the mcu up to endgame becomes a good guy you know what i mean like it's so wild that's what i think is amazing about this show seeing how these small hiccups could completely change the universe that we've come to know and love. I just think the biggest impact, though, is that apparently due to T'Challa being Star-Lord, the Collector has decided he really needs to hit the gym because the man's was yoked. Dude. Unbelievable. I wish this was a live-action episode just so I could see Rip Benicio Del Toro. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, you see the smaller changes, like Thanos being good means he didn't tear apart and rebuild nebula she looks more not like bionic she has hair i don't think she had i think she still had some metal parts i can't i couldn't tell i can't remember but there's that change um overall it was great uh actually one thing and i forgot to write this down in my notes but what they did with korath as a character was so funny i just loved it i I I want that version of Korath to just somehow be pulled out of the multiverse and brought back into the movies. He was so funny. Uh absolutely. Dijimon, I think it's Jimon Hansu. I can't remember. I'm butchering his name, but uh, he's an actor that used to be really big, and lately he's just been taking a lot of bit parts, and I think he deserves more. I liked the joke at the end that had Peter Quill not gone to space. The man does not really amount to much. He... Uh, Hey, he's having a good time. He's he's vibe he's vibing still, but he works at the Dairy Queen. And uh, but also the episode ends with the fact that despite all the good T'Challa does, Peter Quill not going to space means ego destroys the world, destroys everything. <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting. I mean, I guess we don't know, right? Like, if if Peter still finds out that, uh, but Peter doesn't have the fighting know how though, and he doesn't have the guardians as his family to help him. So I feel oh, like true. it's yeah, like, he just gets turned into a battery. Yeah, he's like, just he turned just yeah, he's just a battery. Yeah, the universe is gone. That's a really good point. He doesn't have the guardians there to help him out. I hope you want to move on to episode three. So, 
I'm going to start off just saying this is where the show really took off for me. This is kind of what I was expecting from the show in larger concept. But yeah, I mean, the first two, like we said, the first two episodes are still good. Like there's, I, I don't have a problem with them, but I think this is where the show as a concept really grows. Right. I, I, yeah, I agree completely. This is when you get the first two episodes are like this small change and you kind of get to see the impact. And this is like balls to the wall, like just super crazy, weird, you know, and it's also um, going through all these moments in phase one. And it's like it brought in the Hulk. For the, I feel like the first time in a long time. I don't know if we've ever seen, if we've seen these characters really since the Hulk, right? I mean, you've seen uh, Thunderbolt. Oh, yeah, 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 except for him. But other than that, no, even like just acknowledging that outside of it was very interesting. And uh, so one thing to note about this episode is the first two, they, they have the Watcher, which we haven't really talked about yet, the Watcher as a character. But Oh, yeah. Um... They, he mentions specifically the moment and what it is that causes the change. And I like, and I think it is just the whole murder mystery aspect of this episode. He doesn't mention the change. He's not, he's like, but he. it's very interesting. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic that they waited, right? And that they can play with that. It, it gives them some freedom of movement within the uh, the episodes when they want to talk about what the change is specifically because they also do that in episode four kind of i thought it was so fun again spoilers to see this deranged psycho hank pym michael douglas killed it oh he did so good it was so good and like oh and like again you see these like like these bits uh in each universe that even with these huge changes there's still these like uh uh like ripples where or, like, these fixed points, quote-unquote. So, like, even though uh, Captain America doesn't become Captain America, uh, it's Peggy Carter, you see Iron Man still becomes, like, the Iron Man suit is still made, mm-hmm. even with this huge change. And then in this, you still get, like, Yellow Jacket, right? Yeah. Like, Hank Pym just becomes Yellow Jacket. And apparently, some people have noted, it's not the exact same suit that... Um is worn in the Ant-Man movie. It's like a, it's like a merger between the yellow jacket suit and the Ant-Man suit. So it's like he right, made right, the best right. of both worlds with it. it. I mean, and there was some parts of this episode that were just so, I mean, honestly kind of graphic. Like the Hulk scene? The Hulk's death. When I he was, blew up? I was like, when he started inflating, I was like, uh, are they really going to do that? Like, oh, okay. And then it happened. I was yeah. like, oh, jeez. And it, but I was like, what could possibly do something like that? I really, I, when, when it was finally revealed who it was, I was like, I am so mad at myself for not getting it. Right. It, this was so well written and so well done, I think. Yeah. I mean, and I I love it. It was just such a good mystery. Uh Uh-huh. I love that they made like Fury the main character kind of, I mean, Sam Jackson's always just great. Interestingly enough, I mean, maybe not interesting considering the, uh, lawsuit, but, uh, Scarlett Johansson's not voicing Black Widow in this. It's Lake Bell, and she's doing, like, a killer impression of Scarlett Johansson in it. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> I mean, it was really... I feel like most of the characters who aren't being played by their, uh, 
like original actors. I think I think they're doing a pretty good job of it. Yeah, I agree. And there's also the suspension of, or I guess not suspension of disbelief, but just accepting it. Yeah, I accept it. I mean, I think Lake Bell's doing good. The guy who's playing Tony is clearly a different person, but it's still fine. Right. Going back to yeah. what you said about yeah. uh, Sebastian Stan for episode one, Jeremy Renner. Uh, once again, not a not a voice actor. <laughs> Not a voice actor. actor. I'm not gonna hold it against them. No, jeez, man. They didn't even let Thor talk in this episode, though. They were like, no. I know. (laughs) They're like, you just get to die. I mean, it was a great murder mystery. Um, I love after. I think it's after. Who's the? Oh, it's after Black Widow is killed. He almost goes in to get bring Captain Marvel in, and I was like, ah, see, that's so cool. But it's so cool. it's still just it's it's like these something that we could have maybe seen in phase one had they you know fully thought out the MCU, but we're seeing phase one in an alternate universe and we're seeing that cemented. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Like Marvel does such a great job with stuff like that. So good. I just think the funniest thing from this episode for me is that like. You got to view, I mean, you got to view it from Loki's standpoint. Loki probably was, obviously, he probably was really mad that Thor died, but you knew how to know. Loki was also just like, oh, man, this just makes everything so much easier for me. 100%. Loki's probably sitting there like, oh, damn. (laughs) Woo! That is such a fun, I would love to see, like, that Loki variant talk to uh, the Loki that we know from the MCU. Like, especially in the in the show, Loki. Yeah. God, that would be so fun. I mean, he takes control of the Earth, but then Captain Marvel comes back. So uh, he's not going to have control for a while. He's going to have both captains yeah, coming for him. That, right. We get that great shot of the two captains. I thought that was super cool. And it shows that even though it is not the Avengers team we know, there still is Avengers coming. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I love it. But so, what, what I was talking about with the, like, what is the change in this universe? It is that... Hope Van Dyne, Hank Pym's daughter, she works for S.H.I.E.L.D. in this universe. And that's one change, but the smaller change is you gotta listen to what Hank Pym says. He says she dies in Odessa on a mission. Like, um... And he said like a year or two before the episode takes place. And this is a reference to what Black Widow mentions in Winter Soldier. This is the mission she went on when she got shot by the Winter Soldier. She said, on Odessa... She saw him a couple years back, and she was, like, escorting some official, some, like, diplomat or whatnot, shot out her tires, and she tried to use her body as a shield, and he shot through her. So that means, in this universe, Hope was assigned that protection detail, and the Winter Soldier killed her. It's brilliant. It's, it's like, such a small detail. And, like, I, that's one of those things where I heard it, and I was like, I've got to look that up. Because, like, I knew, they don't just throw stuff around like that. You know what I mean? Without it having some sort of either connection or some setup for some future entity. And so I had to look it up and I was like, that is brilliant. That is so good. 100% agree. So good. Here is, so far, the Mac Daddy. This episode was so good. It's This episode was so good. It's some of the best like character in story work that MCU has done and it's amazing that they oh. did it in half an hour. This story was just so well written. I was hooked. Pace I love seeing 
oh, it was paced so well. It just felt like a fully, like a fully thought out story. So it just felt like it was full. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's oh, it was so good. It was so amazing. Like Cumberbatch is clearly good at voice acting because the emotions, right. the grief that he hears. And we knew this. I mean, we knew. Yeah, Cumberbatch is good, but you know, like so, the once again. So, I mean, the entire episode is him trying to save Christine. And he's going through and he's using the time stone repeatedly, trying to save her, using everything. But she always dies and you find out the ancient one. What do they call it? Is it a fixed point? An absolute point? Yeah, I think it's a fixed point. Oh, jeez. Now I'm second-guessing myself. But whatever it is, um, is like, is that going to be a new thing the MCU, like, has? Like... So say we it's gotta be yeah so like it's just interesting like but it's i love it it's i think it's a smart so way of good like this episode like i i'm if if it keeps if the show keeps up the trend that it has shown like where each episode do, tops right. the next it's like it i the episodes after this are gonna have to gobsmack me oh yeah and i mean like i feel like some of them are gonna be a little more a little I, the zombie episode, I don't think, is going to be this amazing, beautiful piece. Yeah, no, I, that one I feel like is going to be, be really fun. fun to watch. Right. And so, hopefully, the trend continues and we just get quality stuff out of it. Um, it's funny you mentioned the fixed point. I was thinking about this earlier. It's very, you know, a la Doctor Who. You know what I mean? This is a Where fixed point kind of, in time. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. It's kind of this wishy-washy way of just making sure things can't go back and be changed. You know what I mean? Or like every multiverse, every universe in the multiverse has this thing. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Never mind. But like, it's a little wishy-washy. I, I, you heard about the uh, how Marvel had this all-hands-on-deck meeting where they had to explain the rules of the multiverse, right? Yes. And this, is, this had to have been so, part like, of it. I want... Oh, absolutely. This episode is really important i think and so like i i want i want the minutes from that <laughs> like i need to know i need, I need to, to know what happened oh shit um yeah no i would love to have been a fly in a wall on that meeting you know you know that they were saying some stuff like you were just like holy crap but it, i just this was such a just deep like it just shows I think it's just interesting to show that a it talks about the fixed point of Christine's death and it's not saying that she just had to die it's saying that if she hadn't died he would not have gone into sorcery and become the sorcerer supreme so it's like Stephen is right. he's destined to become a magician a sorcerer right he right, has right. to be that and all the stuff he does like it's I, I it just it hits right and it's still the ending is oh, so true. tragic where like he achieves it, it is and, heartbreaking and he still loses her and he destroys the universe due to it um oh uh the conversation with the watcher oh, in this episode dude so powerful so so good so before that like you know, like, each episode, you kind of see him in the background. But if you notice through each episode, he's actually moving closer. 
Oh, I didn't know that. So it's like I can't remember where he is in like the first two, but it's like there's a shot in the third one where it's like Fury or Coulson driving through the desert, and he's like behind the mountains. And this one, he's like it's a city shot, and he's like in a building essentially. So he's way closer. Right, right, right. And so this one, and then he interacts with Strange. I think they're calling him Strange Supreme, but it's he interacts with them, and he's like. The best part of it is, like, he's saying I can't, but he's like, even if I could, I cannot do anything. You have, you've destroyed this. Yeah, Um, it's such an emotional conversation. It's so emotional. Because the Watcher isn't necessarily being like, hey, you fucked this up, dude. He's kind of like, he's being empathetic to Strange. Even the monster that Strange has become. Oh, yeah, and I think he also has an attachment to the universe that he's watching, right? And so, yeah. like, oh, it's such a sad conversation. It is. It's like... Oh, but it's so good. It's so, so good. I, um... Yeah, I mean... There's not, like, a lot to talk about plot-wise with this episode. Right. It's just so good. Um, Do you think this is the last time we see this version of Strange? No. I think that was... I mean, he has become such a powerful being. Mm -hmm. And I think when he was reading through, you know, how to... uh, Where was he? Where did he go? Cagliostro's library. Right. And I think in Cagliostro's library, they could make it so that he read something about the multiverse, right? And so, like... I mean, There's so much potential to see him again. And... We'll get into this with Shang-Chi. I thought we did see him again, but I was, I think, mistaken. Oh, uh, they yeah. could They could retcon it, but, like, uh, I don't think it we, we can talk about that after this. Um, great episode. And yeah. so far, I'm really impressed. This is Marvel's first, like, canon animated series, right? Yes. And so, I mean, like, great work so far. Yeah. Uh, another thing I just wanted to say is that it is very clear that Benedict Wong and Til- Benedict Wong and Tilda Swinton love the roles they play within this Doctor Strange and everything because they come back every chance they can. Like literally, Wong is about to become like essentially another Nick Fury for the MCU. Uh huh. And I absolutely love it. I love Wong. I love Wong. Yeah, we'll talk about it more in Shang-Chi. All right. Do you just want to move straight into that now? Uh, before we do that. Let's go through and give our ratings for each episode. We don't have to explain it. We've talked about what we've loved so far. What are we but, doing? Uh, what are we doing out of? of? I, I think we could do it out of five, uh, like have it match up with our letterboxed rating. Yeah. Uh, um, if you want to, you can go in like more detail and like. Yeah, no. So like my episode one, I gave it a three out of five. Yeah. And I think that's. Yeah. I totally, I, that's what I was going to say. Three out of five for the first one. Uh, I gave the second one a three and a half out of five. I feel like we are probably going to be agreeing on all ratings. That's exactly what I was going to say. Three and a half. It is a. It is an edge better. I think it adds a little bit more of the what if, the concept, and everything. Right. But right, yeah, right. three and a half. A four. Yeah. For the next one. Four for episode three. Um, I think it totally succeeds and just it's a great story. Outside of Jeremy Renner, the voice acting is amazing, yeah, especially from right. Michael Douglas. Like he absolutely kills it. Oh, he killed it. Uh, killed it. Great story. Great, just very great use of the concept. And then I gave the last episode a four and a half. Honestly, 
I think I would give that last episode a five out of five. I have negative complaints. Really? Out of it. I oh, think it is, I love it. I think it's perfect. I have no complaints. I love it. I don't know. I think I think there's something that's keeping me from giving it the perfect five out of five. Maybe on re like if I rewatch the series, I might bump it up. It's just um, uh, for me. It was basically like every other episode I watched it, and I was like, "Hey, I enjoyed that. I loved it. I really I liked it." But this one, I watch it. And I, it's like one of those where I think about it. And I'll mention this too with Shang-Chi where it's like a lot of times when I do my ratings, it is like how much I just think about it after watching it. Right, 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 right. But yeah, so yeah. Um, Any uh, th- That episode is literally just the, the ceiling to beat for this series right now. Oh, absolutely. Right, and that leaves us with uh, the last thing we're going to discuss today, which is our Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings review. Uh, Again, spoilers. If you have not seen this movie, we are going to be talking about uh, all the spoilers. Um, Every little bit of spoilers, man. Literally. So I'm just going to start off by saying this movie blew me away. I did not think it would be as good as it was. Like I expected to like it. But I did not expect to love it and fall in love with all these characters like I did. Yeah, I I one hundred percent agree. I like expected. I expected like I I don't hate any Marvel movie. There are some where I'm just like it's there, but I still like can get an enjoyment out of it. I just yeah, it absolutely blew me away. It was so great. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I have very few issues with it. Um. But what it did, the way it expanded the universe, which it's it's getting to be impressive, Marvel's writing, uh, that they're still able to expand the universe. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Unbelievable. I actually, sorry. I um. No, go ahead. There was, like, I heard this comment. I don't know. I can't remember if I read it somewhere or... If it was like somewhere else I was listening, but someone talked about how more so than ever now, there is such a cohesive connectivity to the MCU that it feels like the comic books more than it ever has before. And it's it's, oh, yeah. it's really interesting, just the pure connectivity of it. Oh, absolutely. Like it feels like, like these are all runs that are happening simultaneous and you have characters jumping between films it is oh dude it's and jumping between titles it's so good and it 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 feels so good it just it just works it's like they they're they have lost no steam it's like almost and this is a weird thing to say maybe but it's almost like to that finish line of infinity war and endgame it constricted them in a way and not necessarily negatively, but it was like, this is what we're working towards, and we are at the finish line. So we have to do that. And I oh, think that, absolutely. And I think now that that has passed, and it is like, we're opening it up. We are not necessarily starting at square one, like off square one, but we're, we're allowed to breathe. We're allowed to build again, you know? Like, and it's just, you can yeah, feel it. Yeah, there's yeah. like almost like a, a new, with this movie in particular, there's just like a new, like, breath of creativity to it right like they are now able to 
not even attempt, they're doing it. But, like, we got Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, and then we knew they were all in the same universe, which at the time was amazing. Now we know they're in the same universe. That's not the amazing bit. They get to create these beautiful and uh, unique stories, and that's the amazing part. And we, we already have the knowledge. We already have that knowledge that they are in the same universe so it yes. works to their advantage and the, like you said i think that's really a really great point there's no real end point at the moment so they have the freedom to start big and then narrow that down to some sort some sort of like overarching you know uh you know story but right mm-hmm. now they have the freedom to do whatever they want and it's so great and it's so fresh this movie feels like like, it's, I don't know, it's not, like, a normal MCU film. I think the first no. scene really shows that. Oh, yeah. Just the fact that, what would you say, like, a third? Yes. Is in Mandarin. Exactly right. Right. And it's, like, they Marvel is, like, taking these directors in from all their, you know, unique backgrounds. Uh, I think it's amazing that they have a far more diverse group of uh, directors and they're like, you have to follow a certain set of rules, right? And these directors mm-hmm. know that. But for the most part, it seems like Feige and like Marvel are just letting them do what they want to do. Tell the stories that they want to tell how they want to tell it. And it works. It works and it's so like, well. And it's like as expansive and big, especially when you get to the third act. And the third act of this movie got bigger than I thought it was I ever had. going to be at times but it's no. still it worked but still at the core it this is a family story this film is about right. this just broken fractured family and you feel that like every bit of it works and it's like just to kick it off like simu liu who plays shang chi he is yeah. so great in this role and his performance oh, is it's understated it's very subtle. He's not like he's not going for big character. He's not playing it big. He's not playing it loud. He plays it in a way that is very almost relatable cuz like you, we've oh, got the broken family story from a lot of these characters like sh- like shit, Tony Stark, all of them. But rather than and I think it just speaks to how good Shang-Chi as a character is is it like it doesn't make him a terrible person or even like an asshole he's just this pure kind person and it's like he's just trying to live his life and he ran away from his family and it's like he's running from something but he's not like he's just a good person like he has these relationships he's built and everything i think like a great scene that shows exactly what you're talking about is when he is with um katie's family played by aquafina and he's talking to, I believe it's her grandmother. Mm-hmm. That was just so pure and genuine. And like, you know, for those of you who are listening, JD and I are white and you know of European descent. I don't know if I can necessarily empathize and connect with this, you know, with some of the, the aspects of this film. Especially right? when it like, deals with necessarily... Aquafina's like the push for aquafina like you know right like her character right, motivation right. like that 
I feel that there were definitely aspects of this film that were not written for white people, you know, yeah, no. specifically. hundred percent. But it's still, it just, it hits and it feels so genuine. And like, I was just like, oh, my heart, this man, Shang-Chi is just so good, right? Like that just sets it up and tells us the kind of person that he is. I mean, know? yeah, just even to jump ahead. So there's like, the, okay, so you find out basically that like Shang-Chi, he ran away. His dad is the Mandarin, but he's not even actually the Mandarin because you find out right. the Mandarin's not even what he calls himself. The Mandarin is what uh, Aldrich Killian and Trevor Slattery, the title he gave to it. He's like, yeah, yeah they use great... they use me. I love that because a it's a great metaphor for like appropriation. It and... is so good, and it helps them erase so just good. the Mandarin character in the comics is just racist <laughs> as hell. Oh yeah, um, and it's just great. Um, but they go through, and it's like he's okay. I was gonna go on one th- thought path with the Shang Chi, but I think to give that moment credit, I have to explain more. So I'm gonna have to explain when Wu played by Tony Luong, yeah, Tony Luong. Oh yeah, amazing. He is so great in this film. He, you just feel his motivation. You understand absolutely every decision he makes, and because these ten rings essentially give him immortality in a way. Like it doesn't look like he's aged. Because I think the opening scene is, like, him from thousands of years ago, correct? Like, it's yeah. like a... And it doesn't look like he really ages. Um, but he Hundreds brings such a weariness to this role that you just totally believe that this man has been alive for thousand, like a thousand years. You buy it. You, you buy it. completely buy into it. And, and then just the pure, like, it... it some people would say it is a cliche line that oh he fell in love and i mean it is but it, it is more executed so well that he fell in love with shang chi's mom and Absolutely. settled down he put the rings away he walked away from that life but then the life comes back and right. like after the loss of their mother like well okay well so I mean, it's just can... another it's a great it's a classic uh not necessarily trope, but, you know, where, like, his past comes to haunt him. The person he was comes back and, and you know, fucks up the situation that he's set up for himself. You know yeah, I mean? no. And so, and what I, I'm, I'm trying to build to a specific character mom, moment from Shang-Chi for, like, the character itself. And it's, like, something that I'm glad Marvel didn't shy away from. But I, like, to get to that moment, I have to explain some more in the movie. So, you know, like, Wen Wu after the death of Shang-Chi and, uh, do you remember what the sister's name was? Um, Shailing? Shailing. Shailing. Yeah. So, I just wanted to be, like, you know, just seeing him, just train them as assassins, like, and just, like, building. And so, like, and then he sends Shang-Chi off to murder the guy who was responsible for their mom's death. And it, like, it plays with it a lot in the movie that they make you think that he actually didn't go through with it, like that he was about to, and he didn't. But then well, he admits the to Katie. Of the film. And then he admits to Katie at the very end that he didn't, that he actually killed that guy, and then he ran away. Like, 
that is such a good moment. And oh, absolutely. it shows the darkness inherent in this character still, like what he was built up to be. And then it's like, right. I it, I think it was just such a good move because they could have done the contrived and the stereotypical thing of like, oh, I went to kill him, but I didn't. I saw it was wrong. And it's like, no, I, I did kill this guy. I did go there yeah. seeking vengeance and I went through with it. And then I realized I wanted nothing to do with this life. Right. Like, right, right. it's just, right. ah, I loved it. It's so good. It's so good. And it completely juxtaposes what we talked about earlier with, like, how pure and genuine this character is for the majority of the film. And you get lines from his aunt, who I don't have the character or actress, but... Uh, uh, the actress is Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh, right. And so, like, when she talks to him about, like, you know, don't run from who you really are, and, it, it, you know, he's this amalgamation of his mom who's this pure individual from this like mystical realm and his dad who's this warlord who's been you know killing and pillaging and stealing for a thousand years and he has to come to terms with the fact that he did kill that guy and it like it doesn't it's such it's it's complex it's not like a super simple like like you said like oh he's so pure and so good that you know, in the heat of the moment, he decided he wasn't going to kill that, the guy that killed his mom. Like, he did it. He, he fucking killed the guy who killed his mom. And, like, oh, it just, it adds so much depth to this character. I'm so excited to see what happens with him for the rest yes. of the, the universe. And I think that, that decision to say he did do it, it just makes him more relatable. Because it's like he's not someone who always makes the right call, you know? Right. It Absolutely. just it, like you you feel that, and it's like especially when it's revealed, and it's during this. Uh, the movie's so good. Is I can so I can reiterate that nonstop. And oh, a few things I I did want to mention. One thing specifically, they really didn't touch on Endgame and like its impact on the characters. Like, yeah. You I know think, what I mean? Like I think there was one mention of it. It's basically like, oh, you can disappear. Like there was like a line about like when half the population can disappear for five years or something. There's something right, right, right. But it's similar to like the reference to the Avengers in Ant Man. Uh, but there's a couple that like th- there's details in there. Like there's a flyer at one point that's like talking about like. Uh, I want to say, like, therapy for those who Uh either blipped or whose family blipped. So, like, it's in the universe. It's obvious that it's in the universe. They reference it. It's in the background. But it's not like... This story could have taken place before the blip. It could have taken place phase two. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, Like, I love that this is an origin story and they didn't, like... It didn't need the rest of the MCU to... No, it didn't. Except for Iron Man 3. I love it, and it's so funny. This is it's so continuing funny. this trend of Marvel. Oh, this and is like, a hot take. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say this is a hot take that you and I have, but we love Iron Man 3. Oh, no, that's what I was going to say. It's a continuous trend. Like Iron Man 3 is really maligned for the twist that the Mandarin isn't really the Mandarin, which, A, I say, cry more, baby like yeah, no the twist is brilliant um and even aside from that twist like if that i just feel like 
if that twist alone makes you hate the movie you're just you're you're not watching movies right <laughs> like it's not that serious of a twist like there's iron man 3 is one of the best solo movies because oh, what it is so good. especially when you consider what the solo movies have become it is it is a true solo movie like there's references to the avengers but it is keeping the iron man cast and it does so such good work but really what we're talking about is like it is maligned it is a lot of people don't like it and so like it's continuing this trend with the mcu where they'll take these movies that a lot of other studios would try to oh they're lesser what is viewed by the public as their lesser entries they'd wipe them away they'd try to hide them but like with endgame it recontextualizes thor the dark world it makes thor the dark world important again and it gives like a new light to it in a way this one does that kind of with iron man 3 like it it, it right. gives some this one character it gives brings us trevor slattery back you know like you're just like holy shit and trevor slattery played by ben kingsley in this fucking movie is so perfect they use his it character just the right amount it works so well and i think i don't know i just like it works so well he's so damn funny in this movie but he's hysterical in this movie yeah like he is i mean like the movie has humor throughout its runtime it has humor and i'd love it and i think his stuff mm -hmm. is i mean it is so funny because it's just it's ridiculous humor like i think what this movie does well is it is funny throughout but it's like it's it 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 knows when certain humor is right and when it isn't because and i mean the mcu has definitely like gotten better from this lately like this hasn't been a really recent problem but earlier on like phase one and right after phase one it was more like keep the jokes running we don't care if some fall flat Whereas I don't think there was a single joke in this movie where I was like, that was just bad. Like, it's like some of them yeah. are meant to just produce a chuckle. Like, you're just supposed to be like, eh. And then some of them, mostly Slattery's jokes, they, like, his Planet of the Apes jokes. That is some of the funny. That is so one of the funny. funniest fucking things I've ever heard in my life. It was so funny. Like, I and like... it just kept going. It's so funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they oh, weren't. Man. I'm trying to they... think, like... He was like, and then I found out they're just acting like they're on horses. And I'm like, if those monkeys can act, imagine what I can do. It was hysterical. And it's so funny to see Ben Kingsley. Like, didn't he win an Oscar for his portrayal of Gandhi? Like, this this Oscar-winning, amazing actor. Like, playing this utter goofball of an actor. And, like, he is having so much fun in this role. And I love this character i loved him in iron man 3 i love him now and it's so funny him and he's got now he's got that, morris with him morris dude that thing was so funny and they were asking about his face and he was like oh hey he's like actually really self-conscious about that. no like, the funnier the bit was like the beginning when he's like oh my god you can see him too oh thank god <laughs> oh that was so funny <laughs> and like the humor hit with this the emotional family bits hit with this the genuine purity of shang chi and like his more gray you know backstory it all hits it all lands like yeah there's like, and every character has an arc it's like and it's realized even like 
and I've heard other people say this, like Aquafina's character, a lot of people thought she was just going to be comic relief. She wasn't going to have a lot of depth right. to her. But she has too. depth. Yeah. She has depth. <laughs> she has so much depth. Oh my God. Her, her, and the way that this movie is able to show, oh my gosh, dude. The way that this movie is able to um, show this uh, uh, relationship between her and that elder in the, uh, like that, that old man. Yes. And it barely touches on this. But, but when that man dies... It hurts. It hurts. It hits, it hits you. That it hits is you. You're true. like, shit. Like, the ability... This director... What is his name? I had it and Destin uh, I lost Daniel Cretton. His ability to have that arc in the background and have it still... And her with the, the older woman as well as that man, it, mm-hmm. it is such great visual storytelling absolutely i uh, it's just that was amazing to me that they it were works. able to do and that. it's like you know and it's like even though like her moment you know when it's gonna happen you were like oh this is gonna happen and it's still you're not like rolling your eyes like oh of course you're just like right. yes you're cheering for her you're like yes oh she absolutely did it. and it's Oh, there's just so much like even like we haven't even really touched on his sister like the arc with his sister where she's just upset because he abandoned her when he ran away from the family and that's another thing he's kind of running away from like the guilt he should feel from that and i ha- i'm of the belief that in a lesser movie when they're fighting and we haven't even talked about the action in this movie yet but when they're fighting oh, yeah. the dragon battle at the end with the dragon who i don't know if that's actually fin fang foom i don't know if that's been confirmed if that is fin fang foom or not but with the dragon and then like what is the evil dragon thing what was its name oh dude i can't even remember they both have names the like, dweller the, the dweller of the darkness the like blah la 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 yeah. like whatever it was so, um yeah i thought but when she up that i that thought she was, was dead be doctor strange oh, oh yeah you thought... i thought she was dead too but i think it, it shows that a uh it shows like the like, the belief in like rather than going for the cheap like emotional uh, like pain of killing the sister they let that moment be the payoff of their arc saying i'm not going to right. leave you again and it works right. and, and it's like rather than wasting a character because there was no need for her to die right then it just like yeah, death absolutely. doesn't I think uh, the easy solution would be to have her die and have that be some sort of motivating factor for Shang-Chi, like, for the rest of the time that we see him. Mm-hmm. But they, they, I mean, they kept that character. It's harder. And we'll get into the after credit scenes here soon. Yeah, and uh, I actually have a theory on that other credit scene. I've, I'm, it's not mine. I've heard it from other people, but I have a theory oh, nice. on it. I think we should try to wrap it up here soon, just because okay. we've been talking for a hot minute. Okay, so let's... um. Obviously, we got to talk about the action. Then the action is some. Uh, it, it might be the best action oh, in the MCU. I think it's the best I, action. It is. It is. I think hard stop. It is the best action in the MCU. Um, I get like, it. It is reminiscent of Matthew Vaughn with Kingsman. That it's times. like a similar vein. I don't think it's in any way, shape, or form as stylistic as that. But I, I, don't I get little either. hints of it. But it's so. It's its own thing. In, within mm-hmm. the MCU, it's so fresh. It's but so new. It's also it's so supposed to be paying homage to like older kung fu movies and stuff like that. Oh yeah, which is the which wide sure... camera angles. 
I think a lot. Right. I think it's like a good merger of that. Like it's showing that kung fu, that like that martial arts, you know, like influence in Absolutely. the background, but modernizing it with kind of that. And I, it, it, I don't know if that's necessarily something Matthew Vaughn started, but he, I guess it's something it's most popular oh, in his movies with Kingsman. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, the fluidity of it, where you're constantly right. seeing it all. Like it's no quick yes. cuts, no shaky it's, it's cam. Not... Exactly. That's what I wanted to bring up. Not that it is like, like paying homage to Matthew Vaughn. But it reminds me of just a more stylized fight choreography where I can't imagine how much time and effort was put into that. But it's so important, you know, and it's like, for you the story give, and these characters. And you got to give credit to Simu Liu. He doesn't wear a oh, mask, man. He had to do right. all that, and it's no quick cuts like shit. <laughs> like, yeah, it is done so well. And uh, um, I mean, like, I'm excited to see how this will influence future MCU films because they can't, you know, they can't fall flat now, right? Like this has got to be one of those cha- like a challenge for future MCU MCU movies like it's a whole, yeah. It has to be right. like the, like and we'll talk about this in a later episode when we probably go over our full MCU thoughts, but like Black Widow had a ceiling and it's like Black Widow was the first one out, but it was like there was a different feel to that. A, it took place in the past. We the stakes can only be so high with that movie because you know Black Widow's yeah. dead. This movie is just totally new. This this felt like the first movie back. Like I I don't know what if a movie has surprised me as much in the MCU as this. I mean, maybe Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe, but I, the thing is, like, I know you'll you'll pull out the receipts and be like, oh. I said that was going to not do well. And that was before it had totally sank in my mind that Marvel literally can't fail. They are. They can They can they, do no wrong anymore. They can do no wrong. And I mean, but yeah, I, I think there's something. I think it's not even that. I don't know. I just, this one blew me away in a it's way hard. I can't. It's hard. So Guardians of the Galaxy was still pretty early in the MCU, right? Mm-hmm. What is that, phase two? It and was the so it was much phase easier two. to be surprised. You could be like, oh, they still might, you know, they might fall flat on this one. Yeah. So it was much easier to be surprised. The fact that this movie, so late in MCU's run, is surprising and is fresh, just goes to show how much effort they're putting in still. Yeah. And it speaks to how great this fucking movie was with the writing and directing and acting. And the third it act, like, perfect. third act is just, it's probably the best third act. I just, I, I can't praise this movie enough. Like, literally, it's, it, it earned its place. It's probably, it's, I mean, I've said it's in my top five, and I don't know its exact placement. I don't know if it's three or four, but it's, it's there. And it has earned it. Um, So, to move to wrapping this up, I'm going to bring up a couple gripes. Not necessarily with anything, really. It's, like, minor gripes and then we'll talk about the in credit scenes so yeah uh as always there was some minor cgi problems some people have said it more than i noticed i just noticed a couple wonky shots nothing that took me out and then the green screen at times in the third act was a little rough but like i said didn't take me out of the film whatsoever um the one shot that i remember being like is when um what is his name uh when woo Zhu, yeah, Wen Wu, uh, when he 
first goes into the forest to try to find this place and like the car gets destroyed and he's almost yeah. off the cliff that okay. shot was rough that shot was really rough that shot was rough and there's one exterior shot in the bus chase that i remember being like eh, a little wonky right. yeah yeah we, other we than that, about that other than that uh no big gripe it might uh there's a tiny lull in the pacing when they first get to Talo, but at the same time, I was so enthralled with this world that was being introduced that I didn't really care. Like, I was like, okay, it is slowing down. Because the pace of that this movie is breakneck up until that moment. and right. it's But it still worked. It wasn't like a holy shit, get moving. It was like, okay, yeah, we're, I understand. And my other minor gripe is not actually at the movie itself. It's at Marvel and Marketing. They still put a little too much in the trailers. Um, I wish we hadn't seen anything with Shang-Chi actually using the rings himself. And Abomination should not have been in the trailers at all. He should have been a surprise because literally the shot we see of him in the trailer is like half of of what is in the movie. I I agree completely. That should have been just a fun surprise for those in the theater. It should not have been in the uh, trailer whatsoever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, so uh, let me see. Is there anything else I want to talk about before we get to the end credit scene? Um, I don't. Be- I don't think I have anything. I do want to just say, just to reiterate, this is, uh, in my opinion, the best intro solo film since Iron Man. And I know some people will be oh, like, "Oh, absolutely. what about Black Panther?" And I'll be like, no, Black Panther doesn't count as an intro solo film. He's introduced in Civil War. Same thing with Spider-Man Homecoming. Even then, I think they're better. I think this is a better film than Black Panther. That's just my opinion. I agree completely. Um, The yeah, we we've discussed this, and like we can talk about this more when we go into like if we decide to to go through and like discuss each MCU film. Mm -hmm. Black Panther kind of falls short with its third act in this this movie if anything the third act seals it as absolutely this just it's great also just to once again talk about how good win Wu as is as a villain tony luong amazing uh he outs like thanos everybody's like thanos is great killmonger's great the thing about them though is uh, i it's like with thanos and killmonger i get their point of view but i don't empathize with it really because killmonger goes full um he just wants to flip the power dynamic and i don't get it and thanos is just i think he's just we can have the argument of thanos but i just i think when has a better motivation i think outside of loki in thor one because the thing is you have to take into consideration introducing the villain giving them a complex yeah. story and understanding their motivation and when Wu and loki and just in thor one i'm not even talking about avengers or any other movie i'm talking about just in thor one they're the best villains i think in the I mcu just from pure motivation acting everything across the board yeah i i agree completely uh i mean it's so interesting because it's not like it's coming from him like it's it's these you know these rings that are breaking him down and he's being taken advantage of by this like otherworldly being right like convincing him to the point of almost yeah like it's so it's so good and it 
it's like he's you get these moments where you're like I don't know if he's actually that bad of a person like he's not that bad of a guy I mean like, there's this there's the I mean he is a bad guy but you're like man like I'd love to have a conversation with this dude like the the yeah. dinner table scene oh yes. like it's so genuine he feels like a fully fleshed out he feels like a person. He doesn't... Right. He feels like a person, and it's like you are just in the other side of some issue with him. But uh, he is so old and so weary, and the things he has seen, and the life he had with the mother that was taken away, and right. any chance he could get back to it. It's like, I just... I can totally empathize with it. Like, Absolutely. I... I... Yeah. That, I, I don't think I can say it more. I... This is such a great movie. I so... Agree. Uh, Let's move on to. Let's talk about that before we get into the uh, after credit scenes. Oh, it's a four. I think it's a four point five out of five. I I give it a four point five out of five. And I think I have never, I've never rated, and I know I just rated that episode of What If a five out of five, but I feel like it's a little different with TV episodes compared to a movie. Yeah. Um, It's also thirty minutes. It's easy to tell. Yeah, but also, um, I don't think I think, I don't think I've rated a Marvel movie a five out of five. I think any of them, even the ones I like, they still have their issues. They still have their things. I think right. this movie up there with the other ones that have worked for me, and even though I listed it in my top five, I think quality-wise, mm-hmm. it, it might be the best film out of my top five. There's some of them yeah. that certain emotions and certain moments and just the build and just the event of it all I have rated higher, but yeah, this yeah. movie is in my opinion just from a craft filmmaking standpoint top probably top three mcu i agree i agree completely it's so good i have to see it again i'm probably gonna see it again in like a couple of days i'm gonna see it wednesday or thursday honestly (laughs) yeah uh all right first in credit scene hysterical great exciting it, Do I have these backwards? No, no. Yeah, the first one is uh, Wong popping up, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So Wong, oh, so no, Wong pops up at the end of the movie, and then it ends with them leaving, and then the credit scene opens up with like what they're doing immediately after. So it's like the end of the movie is them talking at dinner with those friends again, saying like all the shit they've done. And then, like, their friends are like, okay, I get it, you're making fun of me. And then Wong pops up, and they're like, okay, bye, we gotta go. And their friends are just like, what the hell? And then the movie ends, and then it's the end credit scene, and it's like Wong studying the rings. And then it pans out, and you see, like, you see see Shang-Chi there. Everything I said still stands. Oh, yeah, no, it's still a great scene. I think this movie, I think this end credit scene, just in the pure synthesis of what end credit scenes should be, I think it's it's really good. It, 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 It... it sets stuff up, but not blatantly to where it almost takes away right. from the yeah, movie. Yeah. And it gives you that connectivity because you've got you've had Wong, but you get more Wong. You get Captain Marvel. You get Bruce Banner, and it is Bruce Banner, which just raises so many questions in my mind. But Well, I think that trifecta of characters is great because you get the uh, space, you have like the Earth science, and then you have the mystic arts, right? So, like, yeah. you have these three minds who are all, you know, uh, well-versed in their own areas, which mm-hmm. is so cool. Like, the, I loved that. Do you think what are this rings? is... Do you think that group is, like, a proto... Do you know of the Illuminati in the comics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard do you about think, it. I've read a little they bit could, about it. Do you think they could be, like, a proto-Illuminati? I'd love to see. I, I honestly, if it's written well... 
I would love to see that in the MCU. Because then, and like that, with those three characters, those three characters, and then they can expand out. Like you bring mutants in, you could have a mutant represent- oh, yeah. representative. You can have right. like other people to build it out. Because I think the in the comics, it's like Xavier and like Reed Richards are in it, just to give two other uh-huh. ideas, and like Iron Man and all that. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, like I I love that group, just like you say. And the big mystery though is what are the rings like? They I my like, guess is they're Eternals tech, right? That's what I was thinking. Old. The Eternals mm-hmm. came in 7,000 years ago, according to the trailer. Um, and they're a beacon of some sort. And after the blip, it has that energy surge that allowed for some sort of awakening. That's my guess. I'd I mean, love I guess, it to be something else. I think that's, I think that's like, if they're going with a direct connection, it'd be interesting. Right. But I'm curious. I mean, I, I could see that. I'm and so I could also curious. see it not being that. I do oh, just yeah. Yeah, I do yeah. just love the endings of the scene though, where it's basically like Banner and Marvel and Wong being like, "Yeah, guys, this is what the world's like now that you're a part of it. So uh, just be ready. Shit's wild." Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Um, um, but yeah, I think it's great. I mean, it asks that question and it doesn't really answer it. It just kind of it eliminates things. They're like, it's not vibranium. Right. It's not space. I think she says it's what like not scroll or whatever tech. Yes, I think that is what she says. Something like that. And then Wong is like, well, it's not magic. It's like, I think he said it's not magical, right? Or not... Something like, I can't remember. But you're right, right? Like, we have these three people from our known, uh, like, extended Marvel universe. And um, so it's like checking off the boxes or crossing out what it could possibly be. So it's something new, which is really exciting. And I think you said it perfectly that this is what an in credit scene, in credit scene, should be, where it's getting you excited for something new, getting you excited for the next thing, mm-hmm. and like leaving you with more questions than answers. And it doesn't take away from the film; it adds to it. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. it's great. And uh, just like a little bit of trivia. The ten rings in the comics are legitimately like rings. So like the Mandarin would have a ring on all fingers, but they took away from that because they're like jeweled rings, and they're like they don't want it to even remotely be can, uh, confused with the Infinity Stones. And I actually like it. I think aesthetically, it makes the rings work better in a cinematic way to have them be these rings on your hands, right? On your arms. Yeah, yeah. I, mean. I think it. I loved all the stuff they did with the rings. I thought it was very reminiscent of like the little bit of anime that I've seen. The, you know like that type mm-hmm. of power you know in the way that they fought with it oh it was so good it was so cool yeah um but Definitely real quick excited. let's talk about this last in credit scene uh before we sign off i'm intrigued i don't know very much about these characters so i don't really know what this could be you is this what you said you had a theory on so basically there's a line oh, that you i don't know if it's the end of the movie or during the first in credit scene work they're like, where's your sister? And he's like, she's dismantling my father's compound. But then you see, it looks like she's just taking it over. And right. she has brought in these people. She has that razor disguise, her right hand now. And so it's interesting. Is she going to kind of be like an antagonist? Maybe not a bad guy, but like kind of an anti-hero? Because she still was running an underground before this life. Like it's, there was no indication that she's like, oh, I'm out of that life. Like she was just right, right, right. her emotional core in that story. So the theory I've heard is that this could be setting up a Ten Rings Disney Plus show to give more oh, deep dive into. Oh, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. I think that's the perfect room. 
you could build up, you could give a story as to what they're doing rather than just having, you know, kind right. of backtrack in a future movie or anything and just be like, this yeah, is what's yeah. been going on. Like, you could, quick six episode miniseries. It doesn't even have to be an ongoing series. And it's just like, this yeah, is what they're doing. Yeah, that would be really cool. And because I the was... credit, the tag, the final tag was not um, Shang-Chi she, will return. It's the Ten Rings will return. So that's why I a lot that. of people think that. Right, right, right. I was fully expecting Julia Louis-Dreyfus pulling out <laughs> and getting his sister. I was like, man, are they really going to do that? Because in the theater, I, I had to look. I didn't look up if there was more than one in credit scene. And I uh-huh. had to pee and I didn't want to wait until the end if I didn't have to. Uh, and I saw that there was a second one. And I'm like, oh, is this going to be like Black Widow? Like, is somebody uh, yeah. getting... Is it Kate? Do they need like a, a bone? <laughs> I also we'll to go that. back. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was saying to go back to that first in credit scene. I just like that it's like, Katie, you come too. Like she's just a part of it. Like she's I just love like... it. <laughs> it's so funny. She was so funny in this movie. She was great. God, it was so good. The entire movie is great. I mean, to sum it all up, we love this movie. Uh, Absolutely breaks through the ceiling that I thought the mcu already had in a way i think it's fresh i think eternals will keep to do that keep on doing that and as other people have said the mcu if it keeps it up like the run they're about to go on over the next year is going to be amazing absolutely i mean i uh, i mentioned this to you the other day but like shang chi eternals back to back i think is going to be the best like back to back one two punch mar one two punch that marvel has had in its existence it is going to be so good absolutely and then like spider-man i'm, I'm intrigued I, it could be you know this yeah. eternal spider-man what's next uh thor 4 right doc strange then thor 4 okay so there is a chance that this could be marvel's best run but i know for a fact shang chi and eternals back to back is just going to be mwah, like chef's kiss so good yeah, it's like so. I like quick closing comment. This movie is amazing. Eternals, I have full belief it's going to be amazing. And Spider Man is going to be an event, is the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's I'm not good saying Spider Man No Way Home is going to be like, oh shit, top five. Because I mean, both Spider Man movies, and once again, this will be a conversation for a later episode, but they've been great. But like, they don't, right. they don't touch that ceiling. But yeah, one, two punch. Yeah, this episode's probably gonna be a little longer than the average episode, but this was a lot. Introductions, we may have bit off more than we can chew with news and big things to talk about, but yeah, look for the episode on Monday, hopefully. Uh, We will be putting out episodes every week. It might not be big reviews. We'll do little things here and there just so you can get to know us a little bit more, but thank you for listening to Movie-ish, and we will catch you all next week.